the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook Network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash the subscribe and smash the like and come and join us in the chat. Oh boy, chat is bumping here on a Thursday because you know that we love getting interactive with our loyal listeners and viewers uh, here on the show. We got a couple questions from the big old bag of mail. Great way to put in a mailbag question. So leave us a five-star review. And in that review, you put your question, we'll add it in the big old bag of mail. But you can also... Come and join us live. You can jump, throw your question in. Uh, We will try to grab it and we will introduce it live here on the air. And we're going to go ahead and get started right from the chat with a question from Jason. Where will Desmond Ricks go? (laughs) (laughs) Deep cut. Not bother you guys every single time. It's the very first one we come on. And I'm always like, can we get that autofill or whatever it is? Can we get that taken off? <laughs> no, you're going to be haunted by a Desmond Riggs uh, commitment question forever. Um, I got a Bud story real quick, too, before yeah. we get to the question. Real quick. So I don't know if you guys got this text, but last night I got a text from Bud, and he's like, yo, he's like, can you get MLB props? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, Cleveland, Battenfield, under three and a half strikeouts. And it was like the bat signal goes out. So I go there, hammer it under, and guess what? He only had two Ks, so it was a win. White Sox crushed him. That's right. I told Bud, I said, keep it coming. Now the next time, you know what's going to happen. I'm going to unload the whole account on the next uh, recommendation, go broke. That was such a Bud text, though. Middle of nowhere, just all of a sudden, some random you know, baseball game on a Wednesday night with the NBA playoffs are on. I'm like, all right, I'm in. I love when Bud will sometimes text and be like, hey, do you have a Bet Rivers account? And I'll be like, no. He'll be like, oh, okay. He's like, I want you to place a bet for me. He found, yeah, he found something. He, yeah. he found something. He's like, I bet Rivers they're wrong. I, yeah. They got it They got it wrong over there. Um, so c- congrats on the uh, three and a half is a low number. You know? Yeah, exactly. So, Plus 120 it paid. I was like, oof. sweet. Yeah. Right. Let's go. As long as we don't get flagged like the Bama baseball team, we're good. (laughs) Beach wine guy just said, tell Bud to reach out to the Iowa baseball team for prop bets. All right. Jason uh, asks from the chat, other than Nick Saban, what coach has had the biggest impact on college football in the last decade? I'd argue Rich Rod's offensive contribution makes him a candidate despite little personal success. I'll say Rich Rod seems like it was more than a decade, but I get the gist of what he was going for. I mean, it's not a name that we're probably supposed to say anymore, but I would say Art Bryles made a pretty big impact on the sport with what he was doing at Baylor because now everybody is running some version of that offense. We saw Tennessee running their version of it last year and what it was able to do for him. I would say... That is probably offensively the single biggest impact that anybody has had in the last decade. I would say defensively, what Nick Saban was doing in, with like their zone coverage and their match patterns and all that kind of stuff, because now Kirby's kind of taking it on, and that's become a big thing to kind of counterbalance what you see with what Baylor was doing. It's hard to say Like the last decade is really recent, and I know I'm getting old and time is really starting to fly by. 
Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, schematically, is it schematic or is it what? Like I was gonna, I was thinking Jim Harbaugh for bringing Michigan back to relevance. I mean, it was oh. kind of a rough. Rich Rod kind of made it come to mind, but they were struggling, kind of, you know, wandering. Where's our next path? And he brought them back to, you know, back to big, back to back Big Ten championships. And having Michigan on the national stage is as big as an impact on college football as anybody. So I, I'd put him out there. That's a great call. Uh, like not just the the X's and O's of it, but just sort of like you, that is an impact. People, the more people are are tuned in because Michigan is a national power right now. I had to stretch a little bit further off the top of my head. I was going to go Chip Kelly, you know, uh, but that's back to sort of the the X's and O's. The idea that you know the the up tempo attack is not just chucking it around the yard, but running the football. You know, winning with physicality and creating those explosive plays on the ground as well as through the air. I definitely had uh, Chip Kelly come to mind on that one. Another one. I don't know if this is last decade, but Joe Lee Dunn, three three five defense, yeah. which was another kind of thing to counter what they were doing with the spread offense. Um, I got one. I'm trying to decide who to give credit for this. Does Ed O'Bannon get the credit for NIL? Like whoever get whoever the yeah. man, that oh. case was forever. It was in the courts for 20 years, but it ultimately kind of was a big shift. Whoever's responsible for NIL and thus the transfer portal as well, like that's the biggest impact we've seen maybe in the history of the sport. You know what Ed O'Bannon's greatest contribution might be? What? Before he took college football away from us, the video game, that was the most popular, you know, that was the game I played all the time. Then they took it away. I started playing FIFA more. It is possible that my soccer fandom took went to another level because Ed O'Bannon stole the NCAA football game away from me. That's that's legacy. Well, thanks, Ed. Thanks, did you Ed. see? Did you see the new numbers that the players could receive when it comes back? Because I guess it's been reported that the game's coming back in twenty four. Mm-hmm. Do you see the number the players are going to get? Is it like five hundred bucks? Yeah. So yeah. we lost. We lost EA Sports for the last nine years for five hundred bucks a player. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, we screwed over college and lost them to soccer because of five hundred dollars. Man, that pisses me off. What I want to know is like with the NBA 2K games, like they were putting like, you know, like Twitter accounts in there for that kind of stuff. And they were using real people. If they start doing that for the new college football game and we're in it, do we get $500 if they're using our likeness? Mm. I would sign up. I I think you get contacted to be able to be a part of it. So you like there was a licensing for like the NBA writers who Mm -hmm. had their Twitter accounts in the 2K game. I think that you at least had an opportunity. I don't know how much money you get, but you at least had an opportunity to go thumbs up, thumbs down on it. Bidding starts at 10 grand DA. I mean, we know. All I know is I know Charles Davis pretty well. And I just played golf with Clark Kellogg. And uh, Charles Davis, I know he's the Fox. Uh, He's the voice Mm -hmm. for, uh, not Fox, he's CBS, but he's the voice for Madden. Madden. I didn't know this. Clark Kellogg, I was like, hey, I was like, you know, what do you do outside of broadcasting? He's like, well, it's like it fills my time pretty much. He's like, I'm also the voice for uh, the basketball uh, game. And I was like, oh. And he's like, yeah. He's like, that keeps me pretty busy. And I think he didn't say it, but I think it keeps him pretty comfortable too. (laughs) I mean, you just just sit in the studio and just like rip for. Yeah. He said 100 hours. hours. He said, I have to, he said, I have to do 100 hours of like sound audio a year. I was like, that ain't bad. That ain't that bad. Right. Don't we do more than that? <laughs> I was going to say, we do what? Three we hours like a week. Weeks. So we're doing 150. 100 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Danny definitely knocks that out in like yeah. a week and a half. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, before we uh, continue on with more mailbag questions and more questions from the chat, uh, we had ACC spring meetings wrap up in Amelia Island. We didn't have a big statement of unity, but it does seem as though – uh, after what was you know widely reported, you know I saw, saw some great reporting from David Hale, um, Andrew Adelson, uh, David Teal of Richmond.com. Um, things got contentious. Athletic directors were raising their fo- voices. Profanities were used. Everybody just put it all in the in the on the table. It's all out in the air now, and now they're headed back their separate ways. Danny, do you feel better, worse, or different at all about where the ACC is at? after this week of spring meetings? I learned absolutely nothing. 
new, <laughs> right? Like nothing new. Yeah. I don't feel any better about the ACC surviving. I don't feel any better about it splintering off into different groups. I feel like we're in the exact same position we were going in. It's just more, I think, I, well, I would say more cards are on the table, mm-hmm. you know, but the one, um, you know, I thought it was interesting because Jim Phillips, you know, according to some of these reports that the ACC, you mentioned there was not a statement saying we're all together. Like, and that was a, a discussion. Like, do we put something out? And the fact they didn't almost says, let's not look really stupid if this yeah. thing breaks apart. And of course, there were a lot of sources that were talking to different reporters saying this thing is totally, you know, screwed. Everyone, whoever gets the first offer is going to bounce the better offer. But it still doesn't answer the question about the uh, the grant of rights. Like it's still that's the one looming issue. And I wasn't aware. Did you guys realize there's only one copy of it? Yeah, you have to go to the league <laughs> office to see to get it. It's like the holy it's grail. Like, and we need Nicolas Cage to come in and try to find it and go steal it so everybody We're can read it the at the bottom of it. <laughs> I, I will say, I didn't learn anything is also what Stetson Bennett said about his seven years as a student at Georgia, apparently. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's, first of all, the Magnificent Seven is just, can, can we change that? That is the dumbest name. But, don't tell Breckman Murphy that. That's his baby. <laughs> Brett, Brett, come on. We got to change that, buddy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think we're going, from what I'm hearing or from what you're reading, it's like, it does seem that they're going to go to the uneven revenue distribution. Some schools are much happier about that than others. But I mean, that's to me, that's nothing's changed because I do think in the long run, that's going to be the, what kills the conference when so, somebody's getting more money than everybody else. So there's two uh, main buckets where I feel like I did learn a lot this week. And a lot of this is because I don't spend most of the calendar year flirting with athletic directors. That's not to speak poorly on anybody who might, but it's like that administrator level. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't dress well enough. I'm too uncouth to be able to run in those circles and be at those hotels, but being able to dig in on this has, has revealed again, like two main buckets. Number one, I get a better idea of the dynamics because the athletic director at Miami is Dan Radakovich, who was at Clemson, who was there as the athletic director for Clemson's rise. He went to college football playoffs with that football program. He went all those head-to-heads with Alabama. He understands what needs to be done in order to help Clemson be able to maintain that status. Now he's at Miami. Who did Clemson promote as athletic director? Graham Neff. So those are boys like Clemson and Miami. We would not normally tie those two schools together, but because of those athletic directors, they are tied together at North Carolina, NC state, Bubba Cunningham, Boo Corrigan, very much tied together. Another thing that I'm picking up on the North Carolina general assembly would never let them split. Like this just, we, everybody sits together and they put together. They're like, okay, we'll send this school, the big 10, this school, the sec, this school, the big 10, this school, the sec with no thought of what it would take to be able to really break out. And the same can be said for Virginia and Virginia Tech. Whit Babcock kind of leading the charge there in terms of being the mouthpiece for Virginia Tech. Virginia Athletic Director Carla Williams jokingly, but I guess somewhat seriously, told David Teal, Whit speaks for the both of us. So there's your factions right there. You know, you've got like the ex-Clemson boys, you've got the two North Carolina schools, then you've got the Virginia schools, and you understand it's not necessarily a magnificent seven as much as it is all these smaller pieces. Jim Phillips also said, guess what? Everyone's looked at the grant of rights. It's not like those are the only seven schools who have come to the league office to look at it. Everyone is looking at the grant of rights and you would not be doing your due diligence if you didn't at least explore what was going to be there if you were offered an opportunity, which brings me to the last thing that I do feel like I've learned from digging into this. Big 10 doesn't want them. SEC doesn't want them. Big Ten doesn't want to expand right now. They, listen, Minnesota will not vote to add Virginia. They need to get USC and UCLA in. They need to get Texas and Oklahoma in. They, like, if you're going to challenge the grant of rights, it ain't going to be this summer. It's going to be way down the road when it is cheaper, according to the contract, and when those schools are actually offering something. So, I... To me, if there was any kind of threat, it wasn't like the Magnificent Seven is going to challenge the conference and we'll all have landing spots because I do not think that they have landing spots. I don't think those offers exist right now. Yeah, I don't think 
the Big Ten. I, 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 I don't think that the Big Ten's honestly looking to expand at all right now. I do think if they were, they'd probably be more concentrated on another West Coast thing to help pair with USC and UCLA. But going back to your thing about like North Carolina's General Assembly not letting them split, the University of California school system tried to keep UCLA from leaving too. It didn't work. So I don't know. West Virginia was supposed to be an ACC member until the Virginia State House held the ACC's feet to the fire and then it became Virginia Tech. Mm. There's some history here. I don't know how they, hey, I don't know how California little, politics little, works. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but, a little different now, though, because when that happened, they weren't making 38 million a year. There weren't billion dollar TV contracts. And also, uh, Ross did include in, you know, it was, it was kind of a one off, but like Kevin, it, in Ross's piece that he dropped on Monday, Ross Dellinger, Sports Illustrated, you know, huge fan of the show. Um, he said Kevin Warren wanted to expand and the rest of the Big Ten was like, nah. Mm hmm. They wanted to go and get the pair. They wanted to go get Oregon and Washington. Big Ten president's like, no, we're good. And I kind of think that's the vibe right now at the Big Ten and the SEC. Fans keep trying to kick at all these schools and send them, and I just don't think they're open for business. Do you know, do the, do, and I don't, I don't know this, but I would imagine the TV deals that the Big Ten and the SEC just landed, the big ones. They have kickers in them, don't they? Some sort of clause that says if you add mm -hmm. more, they'll be. So I don't know. I I would be surprised if the, I, I think they're probably, I mean, Tony Petiti, the new Big Ten and Greg Sankey, they're probably just watching. I don't think they're actively seeking any of these other ones. And they're probably taking phone calls, I would imagine, too, and probably just listening and waiting because they can. And they're well, that's the thing is like Big Ten is up before the ACC is up, mm -hmm. right? Like that's that way would be, before that would be when you would expect this to happen. It's so like nothing happened this week to change the idea that in 2030, 2031, we're not sitting right back here. I just think that the idea is that these schools are going to challenge the ACC, blow up the conference, and go running off to one of the two mega conferences. That just it, it doesn't seem like it's being reciprocated on the other side. I don't think everybody's got landing spots. It seemed interesting, though, think, if they were going to start their own conference. Do you think anybody has a landing spot, though? I mean, in the one, ACC? Or two, one or two of them might have a landing spot. Not of the entire seven. No, but I'm saying one or two of the seven might have a landing spot. Oh, like right now? Yeah. If North, like Carolina, you, if North Carolina picked up the phone right now, do you think the Big Ten would say yes? No, I'm talking about in the SEC. You talking about Florida State Clemson? Yeah, I think they would have a landing spot. If they if they were able to get free, I think that the SEC would probably be interested. Hell, I think the Big Ten would be interested in both Florida State and Clemson. I don't know if it would add value. I don't. I don't think that your per school payout goes up. Mm. It's getting another Florida, Getting Florida is is a new market for the Big Ten, and it's also a big brand. And it's Damn. one of the few kind of brands out there that I think does have kind of like monetary value right now. I don't know. I, 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 I'm an idiot when it comes to this stuff, but I do think that Florida State could get traction to either of those conferences. Their brains are breaking just trying to figure out how to schedule this thing. I don't want to add anymore. <laughs> Sounds awful. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, the Big Ten is still, like, deliberating on the schedule model it wants to do. It's like, guys, come on. Let's just put it out there. But That's, I guess there's no hurry, I guess. Yeah. Just listen. I, Danny, you're right. They're, they are sitting there. They're taking calls. They're just listening. Hey, listen. Well, let's talk. It's it's like somebody who who's an old friend who's, who's trying to hit you up. He probably works for like some investment thing, and he like Danny. You've probably had guys take you to nine coffee dates trying <laughs> just to get you to invest in something, and you're really nice, and you're like, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Long time ago, those <laughs> happened. Yeah, maybe. What golf course are we playing at when you want to talk? Okay, we can go there. We can all listen there. I was also on the other side of that, too. Between my uh, NFL career and my broadcasting career, I did work for an investment management company, and I was supposed to be the guy that developed. So I played a lot of golf rounds, and you talk about awkward moments. When the close comes up, boy, you people, man, people start squirming. <laughs> they do not want to part with that money. I do not envy people in those jobs. Oof. I don't I don't know if I've got that dog in me for it. <laughs> not either. All right. Coming up on the other side, we ask 
since the fourteen playoff is going to be in its final season here in 2023, what will the legacy of the four-team playoff be? That and more next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. A reminder, if you want to add a question to the big old bag of mail, one great way to do it is go and give us a five-star review. Put your question in the review. We will tackle it in a future mailbag episode. Thanks for all the amazing content and looking forward to the summer school episodes coming up. Summer school starting next week. Very, very excited. Uh, Bud has been working very hard to uh, link up with all of those team-specific reporters and writers to give you an insight on a lot of these guys. So summer school starting next week and we'll be all through the rest of the summer. Question. Going into the final year of the four-team playoff era, what will its legacy be? What was the best game, best team? We look back fondly on the BCS era now that we have been a decade removed. What will you miss about the four-team playoff era a decade from now? I'll go best game. Can I just go ahead and throw this? Because I actually was thinking about this. Uh, Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. Yep. I had there. um, I was there. Sick. Yeah. I was in the end zone right there when the field goal, the one missed late. Uh, yeah, it's hard to argue any other game there. I mean, although Georgia Ohio State this year, Ohio State State, this was, year good, was pretty but, special. But I would, yeah, I would go in the Rose Bowl, the overtimes, just all of it kind of going together. I feel like that made it. The swings of that game were mm-hmm. absurd. Mm-hmm. Like that, that was pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Michigan TCU was an entertaining game. I don't think it was a good game this year. Um, the championship that Clemson lost may have been a better game in 15 than the one they won in 16. Yeah. That was when Alabama kind of turtled up and let it get, gave it away to Deshaun Watson. Um, 2017, of course, you've got the the thrills, but kind of a grinder of a game, low scoring as it goes into overtime in terms of uh, actual title games. So those those are the ones that came up in terms of best games what about the the legacy how are you gonna are you gonna remember the 14 playoff flawed same i mean how do you think of the bcs like i think you know it's like it it was good it was better i thought than the bcs but i felt like flawed which is why i'm a fan of now dom's gonna come in and say perfect or he's gonna say we should have had the bcs which still makes it flawed i was listen i was mad at the bcs at the time like i was i thought the bcs was flawed and then we went to this system and i was like you know what the bcs was better than this and that's just how i feel because i I know tcu got to the title game this year and that was cool i know ohio state won as a four seed i know all that but at the end those teams that usually get to the title game have been the two best teams all season long and there's really no surprise to it. I think we probably could accomplish the same thing in the BCS because there's usually no more than two elite teams in the country in any given season. And sometimes there's only one. So the legacy of the playoff for me will be that it led to an expanded playoff, which I liked even less. That is going to be the legacy of it. Game control. (laughs) (laughs) the The legacy is... All of those Tuesday nights watching the reverse engineering of arguments because it it would be um, more honest if the committee chair came out and was like, well, they're at number three because we sent out ballots to every committee member and we all filled it out and we all voted and they ended up at number three. 
but you're tasked with somehow summarizing the opinions of all these different people. It is imperfect. The It is only going to be more imperfect, I'm sure, but we just aren't going to have the pressure of explaining those top four spots, especially with the way the bracket is set up with the automatic bids. It feels like the intensity of those four verse five debates is lightened up just a little in the expanded playoff. There, are they what? still going to do a release show? They have. Well, I mean, there's they have no to. Way. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a rating thing, though, right? But um, <laughs> the real legacy of the playoff is that it destroyed a lot of the best things about the sport. It destroyed rivalries. It led to realignment. It led to super conferences. It led to you know Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big Twelve to go to the SEC. It led to Kansas and Missouri never playing anymore. It broke up Pitt West Virginia. It broke up a whole bunch of things, and it also led to fan apathy and general apathy in a whole lot of games that used to matter and a whole lot of things that used to matter. Conference titles no longer mattered to anybody because you could still get to the playoff even if you don't win it. Just ask TCU. They reached the title game, didn't win their conference. Ohio State won the national title, didn't win their conference. Um, just bowl games, players opting out, the games no longer mattering to them. That, to me, is going to be the legacy. All the stuff that used to make this sport special has been pushed aside because all anybody wants to talk about is, can you win a national title? And now that has become the only thing that matters to a large portion of casual fans. It's like, you know, if, if you don't win the national title or you aren't competing for a title, you suck. Who cares if you won your conference? Who cares if you had your best what, you know season in years? You're, that's, that's your Cinderella story everybody's always calling for. But the truth is nobody really wants Cinderella stories. They just want more playoff games because one playoff games, so therefore they matter. Whereas if we took the meeting concurrent bowl games and just called them playoff games, it would be the same damn thing. Anyways, yeah, there you go. That, no, listen, you were rolling, but listen, I, can, can I pick nits? Yeah, in there, yeah. Okay, I'm going to pick nits. Ohio State did win the Big Ten Championship because they didn't just win it. That's how you jump Baylor and TCU. Mm -hmm. You win 59 to nothing. Cardell Jones throws for a billion yards and Ezekiel Elliott has a billion touchdowns. And that's how Ohio State jumps Baylor and TCU, the co-champions of the Big 12. Zach Mitchell in the chat says, Tom says that a playoff is responsible for ruining rivalries. Aren't rivalries ruined by disproportionate conference TV deals? Why do you think those TV deals are disproportionate now? Because realignment, the conference, the teams all left their conferences to join these other ones to get more money because that felt better access to the playoff. It's ruined so much. Now, it's improved some things. I'm sure some people feel like it's improved things. But the college football that I loved, I feel like has been more damaged by the playoff than helped. Learning on the fly. That's another thing that I'll add there because I will say that they... Do you remember when the um, the semifinals were on a work day before yeah. they moved it to the Saturday? They were so determined to do the New Year Six thing of New Year Six that they were putting the semifinals like the thirty first was on a Wednesday, and so the first semifinal started at four p.m. and people were still at work. I mean, you know, our work is this, and so it was clearly like at the center of our world. But I remember people just. You know, very confused. And look what happened. They adjusted. They said, okay, we're going to do it on whatever Saturday is going to be the closest to New Year's. And we've got it on 27th, 28th, 29th. Um, so they, they're at least willing to change when something isn't working. So it's growing pains, you know? And now we're going to expand the playoff and probably experience some more growing pains. Should be, uh, yeah. I was wrong on Ohio State, obviously. Um, do you remember that one time the team that didn't win its division kind of won the like, title? It was Alabama. Yeah, that time? Yeah, you remember that yeah. time? Yeah, that's a great system. Can't win your division, <laughs> but you can be the national champion. You can't be the champion of the seven teams in your region, though. <laughs> they were. That was a good team, though. Yeah, but a they lot of good teams lose games, game. and they yeah. paid no price for it. That's that's I'm what we're doing. We are just. Allowing good teams to not pay the price for losing games. We are giving the great teams more leeway. Congratulations, everybody. All right, let's go. Let's keep it on the postseason conversation. William in the chat says, what kind of non-premier bowl games do you prefer? Either two high-level group of five teams, think when we get like the Sun Belt champion against the Conference USA champion in a bowl game, a high-level group of five versus a mediocre Power five or two mediocre power five teams. Give me two teams that want to be there. 
Yeah. And that's really hard to determine because even if you had two high-level G5 teams, you might have one with several opt-outs and the team's kind of checked out. You just don't know. And that's probably the, that's one of the bigger problems with it is that and it's something we're always trying to find out when we do our picks. I, I think in a vacuum, assuming everybody's playing and everybody cares, I would go probably the two good G5 teams. Like I always enjoy like the 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 Cure Bowl or the Boca Bowl or what one of those games that are always kind of pitting like a Conference USA champion versus a Sun Belt champion. I think those are fun. Um, I also I would go second would probably be high level G5 versus mediocre P5. Definitely the last in a vacuum is just two six and six power five teams. I mean, I will watch it, but who I've seen that game 15 times during the last three weeks already at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> we, we already watched two middling teams play on the like fourth best game that the conference had to offer. Yeah, but mm-hmm. number one, it is not two mediocre power fives in here. And I'm, I'm glad, Tom, that you also turned the attention because. There is a moment when the high-level group of five faces the mediocre power five in a bowl game where the mediocre power five has a we-can't-lose type Mm -hmm. mentality. Like, we cannot be losing this game to Western Michigan and then go (laughs) home for the holidays. And then the group of five team, I guess Western Michigan in this case, is fired up. Like, you know, talk about motivating factors. The idea that you're going to go and win a game against that Big Ten team or that power conference team, uh, I, I do have some love for that as well. Another another category is like the Blue Blood program that had a bad year and is in like a mediocre-ass bowl game against some like, you know, either decent P5 or really good G5 team just for, like you said, the possibility of that really good program that's not supposed to be there losing that game. That always adds a little level of spice. What I love is that just sort of off the top of my head. So in 20, I think 2019, Alabama ends up getting paired up with Michigan in a bowl game and they took it seriously and won big. And then Alabama misses in 2022. They get paired up against Kansas State. Bryce Young plays and they cared and they won big. I do like that in our few instances that Alabama is not competing for a championship. Uh, they, they have still brought it in those other bowl games. Nick's not taking games off. Some of his players might take it off to go prepare for the NFL, but Nick's not taking the game off. No, love, love that. All right, let's head back into uh, the big old bag of mail. This next one comes from username Kirby wants to eat. Uh, Tom asked last episode, and I really want to know y'all's answer. What is the random program that you hate, but for no reason associated with the team you support? Also, what is the random program that you love? As a Georgia fan, I hate Pitt because the fan base acts. This is the question. As a Georgia fan, I hate Pitt because the fan base acts like they care about the team, but they never show up to games. I love Oklahoma State because they were the franchise mode. I picked in NCAA football growing up. Plus, night games in Stillwater are awesome to see. Thanks for being the best pod out there. P.S. You guys would whoop that other podcast in a bar fight. <laughs> Good final comment there. Holy cow, this could get us all into a lot of trouble. Well, oh, it'd be cool with fan base that you... Or program. He doesn't program. say fan base, right? I mean, he says program. He says program, yeah. See, I, I don't know, like... there's It's not really, for me, programs that I hate. It's more coaches. Like, coaches I just don't like. And if a coach is at a program, I'm not really going to be super excited for them. But that... I'm trying to think right now if there's really a coach out there that I have that kind of feeling for at the moment, and there really isn't. So I don't know. I, as far as the random one that I like, it's usually based on gambling. Like last year, I loved the Ohio Bobcats because the Ohio Bobcats were covering every single week and nobody was catching on to the market. The point spread was always way too big in their favor. So that became my kind of you know random team that I love. But I would say just historically, Colorado is the random program that I've always loved because I have always had a thing for the Buffaloes since I was growing up because it was, you know, back in the day when there were only a few games on TV per week, these kids don't know the struggle that we had to deal with growing up. But like you'd always on Black Friday, it would be Colorado and Nebraska. And I hated Nebraska because Nebraska was like the good team. And I was rooting for the underdog, which at the time was Colorado in that series, although Colorado was still pretty damn good at the time. So the buffs, because I liked the uniforms, I loved the stadium, I loved the logo, and I loved that they actually had a live buffalo running onto the field before the game. 
Cats? I've got a, I got a couple. <laughs> I think it's cyclical too, though. Right? I mean, yeah. you can even be by mm-hmm. year, and a lot of that is driven by the fans, right? The fan yeah. base. I mean, I have an easy one, and it's Texas A&M for a lot of reasons. You know, I mean, that's the Captain Obvious one. Uh, when Jimbo left, I sent a tweet that the Texas A&M fans brought up in the COVID season when they almost made on the playoffs, and it was like, I think Jimbo made a mistake. He can get secure the bag, but Florida State will always be Florida State, and Texas A&M will be Texas A&M. And they threw that in my face. And then I had to go dig it up this past year and retweet it again. So it's like this ongoing battle with Aggie fans. And I don't like it. Like, I, I want everybody to be happy and get along. But it has there has been some contention there. There's also a thing for me, too, with Kentucky that there's still there, – Mark Stoops has done a really good job there. But are they really like this great win or is it – have they been propped up because – the SEC has kind of propped them up and they've been portrayed as a better win than they actually get credit for. So that one's kind of made me knock Kentucky more. And I think in some years, I mean, there was a year when they had 10 wins not that long ago, but then most years they're kind of back to just middle of the road. I think think that's a good call because like, if you look at Kentucky, if Ohio state beats Iowa, nobody's giving Ohio State a bunch of credit for beating Iowa. Kentucky right. is the Iowa of the SEC. If Alabama or Georgia beat Kentucky, for them, it's a good win. Right. I get what you're saying there. I love LSU. Have, I mean, like, it's just, it's too much. It started a long time ago. I mean, purple and gold were the the colors of my high school, and it was right as Saban, you know, was taking over and starting to get them up and winning national championships. The fact that the highs can be so highs and the lows can come so quickly, relatable. You know, I just I feel like that's a little bit more of uh, something I can rock with. So I I've always had a soft. I mean, the the Tiger Stadium experience is incredible. Um, would would sign up for it and would recommend it for anybody. And it's uh it it is fun, especially now as we like have Brian Kelly in there that LSU is in there mixing it up. So it's, I'm not going to do the accent. I'm not going to make a gumbo reference, but you know, like it's, it, it is a little bit more fun when LSU is in here. Like, I don't know all of those decades when LSU was not a factor at all. You know, this is a very new thing, but man, you, you see generational love for LSU that's, uh, that's been building up there. And it seems like y'all are cashing in on it. I love Kansas. I love the story. Can I love Lance yeah. Leipold? Like I like it. I, I just like a team that is just clawing away relevancy, just trying to get back to being talked about. And they started to get there last last year. We'll see if they can keep it going. Like I like, you know, that's kind of where it goes like by year. Like Yeah, scrappy you know? underdogs are fun. Yeah. 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 Hey, I agree with that one. Yeah, uh, so like the Florida Gators. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. I yeah, really and, and, and get fourth place this year. I'm really, I'm really pumped about the Gators. They could go four and four in conference. We're really right, right. Be a big improvement. Oh, oh, are we actually going to break the question to like it that is associated with uh, for school? <laughs> right. Okay, I forgot well, that was. Uh, let's that was talk not about allowed. Scott Stadium on a Saturday in UVA. What's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty looking? <laughs> Just playing around. Uh, all right, let's go back to some questions. Um, here we go. This is a fun one. Daniel asks, in light of Nick Saban sightings in Rome, where would y'all vacation if you earned $11 million per year? Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, where wouldn't I go if I was making $11 million a year? Um, yeah, everywhere. I just, uh, I just played golf last week with a guy that probably is in this stratosphere. I was like, hey, any, any summer plans? Like, we're going, we're, we're driving. <laughs> we drive to North Carolina. It's about a 10-hour drive. You know, we find a, ver- a, a, a Verbo that's like reasonable price. He's like, and I was, you know, he's like, yeah, it's like, I'm going to the mountains of North Carolina. He's like, well, we rented a yacht and we're going to the Mediterranean. And I was like, all right, that one wouldn't be a bad way to go. I say that's where <laughs> I would go if I could vacation anywhere with 11 mil per year. I'd rent a super yacht and just go cruise the Mediterranean. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of where I wouldn't go if I made 11 million a year. Like, I don't think I'd go to North Korea on vacation. Well, yeah. I, so, like, I generally, because our, you know, season is the, you know, like, you know, American summer, I'm not going to go somewhere hotter. <laughs> right. I'm not, I would. My, I'm not taking myself to the Southern Hemisphere. I'm all about getting cool air in the yes. summer, being in South Florida. See, I would go, like, if I had the summer off and I could, I would go to, like, Africa for, like, a safari kind of deal. For sure. I would be like Dabo. Yeah. Like Dabo at the Did you guys see that tidbit from David Hale yesterday? No. Tony Elliott told him he's sitting there in the hotel conference room in a nine-hour-long meeting. Dabo's in Africa on safari sending him pictures of elephants just to rub it in that he's stuck there and Dabo's on vacation. Wait. He, Dabo's, so in Rome, Dabo's on a safari. For some reason, all the national title winning coaches are like on vacation while everybody else is sitting in a conference room like, can we read the Grant Frights again? <laughs> hey honestly props to Dabo that's uh, swing that around you know you yeah. don't you, know, you don't flex. need to go down there that's a that's a that's a big time flex uh right there yeah you know Europe while Europe does get very very hot in general you do have more mild conditions than uh than what we face at least here in the southeast of the United States so Europe in general is uh is, is probably where I'd be finding myself if you like rain my impression of watching the Premier League is that it rains 99% of the time in England, so that would be a great place to go on vacation. <laughs> no, thanks. Pass on that. Coming up on the other side, who are some of the top offensive play callers in all of college football? We'll get into that and more next when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, this next question comes from Ryan. Love the show. Long-time listener, first-time caller. This is a three-part question with a common theme, so please bear with me. Who's everyone's top five offensive play callers in college football? Who's someone who doesn't make your top five but might be a little underrated? And finally, where would you rank Steve Sarkeesian as a play caller if he did not make your top five? Thanks for the time. I'll hang up and listen for the answer. Mm. I didn't rank them. Yeah, I'm just Lincoln's in my top, probably in my top five. Do you want to hear mine? Yeah, go. I had Lincoln Riley. Yep. Josh Heupel. Ooh, good one. Ryan Day. Phil Longo. Mike Norvell. No Hugh Freeze. Underrated uh, since he went back to taking over play call last year. And just when you watch his scheme, he's really he's built an offense around Jordan Travis that really suits his skill set. And he's schemed up some whims for them uh, over the last couple of years. And then is my outside underrated Warren Ruggiero at uh, Wake Forest with that slow mesh that nobody runs. And we'll see if anybody else can run it besides Sam Hartman, but it's really tough to stop. Lincoln's definitely in my top five. Ryan Day's in my top five. I've got Hugh Freeze. Yeah, but he puts together this. He puts together the script. He schemes them open. Mm. One look and go. Like that. That makes it easy on the quarterback. I think. I don't. I, he's kind of given him up a little bit, but I thought when he was a play caller, Lane Kiffin was a very good play caller. Like, oh, I, this I think one. Lane puts together some of the best scripts that you like. The first couple series, typically, when Lane isn't is calling the plays, 
are usually very good. Um, I mean, how many times do we see the play sheet not, and yes. like this, you know, before the ball's in the air? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Ference. <laughs> Just outside. Just yeah. outside. A little slept on. You know what's crazy? That Sark, you know, leaving Bama would have been top five slam dunk. Everybody would have had him slam dunk top five. I don't think he's far off the top five. No, I don't either. I just I thought it was interesting. I didn't have him in mind. Yeah, I think as a play caller, Sark is one of the best out there. The the questions that I still have about Sark are his ability to, you know, run an entire program. Um, God. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, it's Longo, I think at times like the one thing I will say I admire about what Longo does is he 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 knows his personnel. Like if if he's got a, if he's got a good quarterback, he's going to throw it a ton. If he can run the ball, he's going to run it a ton. I think that is smart, but I do think sometimes he dives a little too heavy into it. Like last year, they were throwing a ton. I thought they could have ran more. And let, a few years ago, when they had what they had Williams and uh, what's the other kid's name? Carter. Carter. Yeah, Michael Carter and Javante Williams, and they were everybody was running for a thousand yards. I sometimes I was like, eh, you might want to drop back and pass here, but they would hand off and but. Yeah, Longo's a good call. See, this is the thing. I think there's like a bias against pro style guys. Well, like, Tommy Reese. There's I like Tommy there, Reese, but there I wouldn't an consider argument top five. What, well, there's an argument that what Tommy Reese did with the ingredients that he had to be able to keep that season from not falling apart after the losses to Marshall and Stanford. I mean, they beat Clemson, they beat North Carolina. Again, they just beat North Carolina by running the ball right down their throats. But hey, got to be smart enough to call that play too. Mm-hmm. I think Garrett Riley's pretty good. Oh, but, you know, doesn't really have the he doesn't really have the uh, the extensive track record for me to consider him top five yet. That's fair. Same. Still, uh, still a little bit new for him. You know who's good? But, I mean, we're all bullish on him because we've all mentioned that he could be the guy up for Houston or whatever jobs open. Like he could be. I mean, if he get, if Clemson goes out there and lights it up this year, he's going to be the hottest name out there. Yeah, and then poor Clemson. Right. Jeff, <laughs> QC right. Hawk in the chat. Jeff Brom. Thank you. Jeff Brom's a great play caller. Oh um, yeah. You know who is good? This is going to be controversial because I know particularly Chip doesn't like his actual offense. But I think that in the schematic of his offense, he he knows it pretty well what he's trying to do. I think Gus Malzahn is very good when he's in his bag and he has the right kind of quarterback for his system. It's just he's little. The offense is a little too, I guess Chip would say, putt putt at times. Yeah. I think that with that system, he's he knows what he's doing with it. The putt putt offense is way funnier as a joke than I actually feel strongly about it being a criticism. Because the idea that Gus Malzahn has a clown mouth that you've got to throw the ball through in order to get the touchdown, <laughs> a spinning, a spinning windmill to be able to uh, unlock the magical touchdown play. Um, no, I, I'm with you. Gus Malzahn's very, very good. You know, he's not uh, a good play caller. Sorry, yeah. Mike Loxley is a good play caller. Yeah, Bobby Petrino. Yeah, Man, we could be talking about him next year at this time. So excited. Either way. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> Probably will. <laughs> um, all right. Let's do a, a fun one to get out of here. Uh, what if their offense we, is like top five in the country, but their defense is awful and they're like below 500? I mean, my favorite play caller shout out, bud, is Marcus Satterfield. <laughs> uh, Drew says, is Cincinnati's collective making a beer to raise money for NIL the best thing that you've seen from an NIL at this point? I think it's genius, and most schools should have a collective beer. Are they calling it the Beer Cats? Ooh, that's good. Because this is the first I've heard of this. So If it, they're you, not, you should be taking royalties when they do. I was going to say, send me a free sample of Beer Cats. Um, <laughs> shout out to New Belgium. They've got an old Tuffy beer that's yeah. uh, you know nc state branded um they've got one for app state as well but that's not the collective i th- i think the onus is on the collectives to be able to get out here because the the industry is beating you to the punch the question is if it sucks then how are you <laughs> going to make money for your players what pressure you have created on the brewmaster to have a beer 
that is going to want to be consumed by your fans. I think if you put a Cincinnati logo on it, they'll just buy it and drink it because fans, that's just how we are. Um, yeah. yeah, no, that's a really cool idea. I dig that, especially when you're the problem is like when I think of the people I'm going to for big time donations, not really beer drinkers, more of a fancy liquor and wine drinkers. I feel like college students are your beer drinkers. And I don't know how much money little, you know, Jimmy Cincinnati student really has to be <laughs> buying your Cincinnati beer. He's got to go get that nine ninety nine thirty pack of Natty light to help feed him in the yeah, boys. But, see, you know then you have, but then you have different tiers of beer. You have that cheaper beer where it's volume based. <laughs> yes. You don't need $2. You need just a lot of it. Just drink a lot of it to get that $2. That's and and all um, school and team branded beers are light, easy drinking, crisp, refreshing. <laughs> You'll need four of them. <laughs> like this, I mean, I think there's got to be a liability thing to associating your school with like a seven point four triple hazy IPA. One will put you on your butt type thing. Mm-hmm. We got to get App State to start a moonshine. Wow. Uh, come talk to me off air. <laughs> <laughs> who would who would have four loco? <laughs> Arizona State. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say UCF. The bounce yeah, house brought to you by four loco. <laughs> yeah, should should be. Uh, uh, okay, and we we do have some uh, s- some follow up. Uh, Joey says. The beer is from a local brewery. They sell a ton in the city and nationally at your local Kroger. Love nice. that. Good, good, good move on uh, the Cincinnati Collective for getting it together. All right. Next week, summer school. Get your pencils, get your paper, and get ready to take some notes because we are going to get you educated about some of these programs from around the country. Uh, a lot of y'all have been asking for it all through the spring. Summer school starts next week, so get excited for that. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Danny Cannell. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Go pour some Vanderbilt vodka with my oatmeal. Producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.